Kia ora, tālofa, hi, and welcome to episode 10 of Tanarimanga's Team Talk. Proudly sponsored by Victual, New Zealand's first health and wellbeing supplement that combines ancient Māori and Pacifica wisdom and ingredients. And it's a true honour and, and a privilege to have on the show today uh, Johnny Wilkinson. Hey Johnny, uh, good to have you on. Yeah, pleasure. Good to be here. Uh, and uh, I'm going to, uh, as I've done with previous guests, I'm going to embarrass you a bit with, um, you know, the uh, your career stats and uh, things that you've done in the past. Um, but we'll start off with, uh, you're a proud ex-Newcastle Falcon and Toulon, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, you're the youngest player to debut for England uh, when you debuted in 98 um, at 18. Uh, going to play uh, over 90, 90 tests. Uh, in 2003, you won a Grand Slam and a World Cup which we know with that famous drop kick in uh, an extra time, I'm sure you've, you've talked that out to death. Um, and uh, you've played six tests for the, the British and Irish Lions. Uh, then you finished your career in Toulon, you know, where we came across each other um, and winning two Heineken Cups after I left and, and, the, top <laughs> four, <laughs> and the top 14 final. Um, and you're inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame Um in 2016, and as I said, that you know, we talk about the past because that's where it starts, and um, you know, we will talk a little bit more about that. But we also want to know what's happening um, happening now because it's been such a long time since we've caught up. And uh, I'm very fortunate that uh, you know you've you've made time for me while you're on holiday. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm having a little uh, time uh, abroad, which is lovely. But um, this is my what we're talking about now, I guess, or what I'm gonna try and bring into some of this is my passion so you know whenever i can i can find time to inject that or find an opportunity to to just live my passion i'll i'll do that so talking about these things and and for me it's all about understanding potential you just mentioned all the past Mm. It's, it's it's just being here now and recognizing how can i connect to to the 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 deepest most immense me right now and all that stuff you've mentioned is all kind of opportunities to to learn a bit more, to understand it a bit more, so that each moment becomes more of a possibility. And, and there's no coincidence that we're doing this right now. Like you said, we crossed paths a while back. We were adversaries at one point, then on the same side, then you were coaching me and we spoke, you know, we had chats that transcended that coach-player boundary as well into, into very much support network, hugely in friendship-wise. And it's no coincidence to me that we're crossing again now to talk about stuff that you're passionate about and I'm passionate about. It's kind of like, yeah, to me, it makes a huge amount of sense. And now it's the case of making the most of it. Yeah, well, that's right. We have the platforms to do that now um, with the help of obviously technology, which still, as it seems to elude us a bit. But um, I think the past kind of defines us and our ability to influence others. And, you know, as you're talking around, it's, it's huge about achieving that potential, you know, that's um, and something that, you know, like you're saying you're passionate about. And I think as a coach, uh, and we want the people that we are around and influencing to reach that potential, and which is sometimes harder than, than, uh, than, uh, than it is to say. Yeah. For me, this is a conversation I could, I could, destroy your your computer battery which believe me <laughs> i could i could because for me there's there's nothing else in life than potential it's it's so big 
and yet it's still put as a side issue almost as like you've got to get on with life and try and do this but to understand that your very experience of life is a marker for your internal state and your internal state is where your potential is the thing that i find most bizarre and, and it, when i say bizarre i mean i i was part of this is that for so long in life you go around allowing everything around you to affect the way you are on the inside and the way you are on the inside is what inspires that performance or that experience of life and so you're giving away that power to other people which is another way of saying that other people and things around me hold my potential which is it's ridiculous so for me to sort of come to terms is to be like right my potential is in me so stop looking elsewhere for it secondly my potential is what's possible for me and if i already know what that is then it's not my potential it's my limit so i've got to give up all these ideas about what my best is because it's not my best so i've got to open up to the unknown i've got to open up to excitement and just impulse and inspiration and insight and just allow it to come in the moment instead of being as i was for so long hooked into preparation and control trying to control everything in the future instead of realizing that potential is in the unknown if you try and believe away the unknown or guarantee away the unknown you're just getting rid of your potential because you know as well as me i think i can say this on the field for example the only time you do something that you're kind of like how the hell did i do that is when it's unplanned you put yourself in a space where you don't know what's coming and then it's when you do something ridiculous that you can't believe you can do and yet we all before the game go on about the, trying to control everything but it's in those moments that you actually find it and so you mentioned as a coach i coach sort of guys now in skills and the first thing i let myself understand is i have no idea what their best is so each day i don't have anything to compare them to in terms of what's right and wrong each day you start fresh but those those sort of like connection you have with them allows you to sort of just have a bit more of an understanding or, or, or knowing in the moment about what what to say and what's right it's an energetic thing whereas for so long i've i've sort of i've mixed up the learning about rugby from my past i've mixed it up with the learning about me because the two aren't the same learning about me is means shedding everything getting rid of old ideas getting rid of things that i thought were right and wrong it means getting rid of that learning about rugby is about looking at what's working what's not what's this what's that and and yeah sure but but to lose yourself in that is sometimes where this sort of difficult space comes with end of career or injury is that you mix yourself up with your rugby and then your rugby goes and you go with it and the learning journey for me about myself is every time i've had something had an issue a challenge or it's the answer has never been to to gather some more information about it it's actually to let go of something and constantly letting go is what brings you closer to your potential to the unknown and so i i sort of i've had a very big switch in my journey whereby i was a gatherer i would look at video of this video of that and i'd look at my old performance and go yeah yeah, yeah bring it on this is who i am and then it will go so <laughs> you kind of you get injured for three years and you go oh my god and then you, you realize also that the more controlled you get, the less of a player. We had chats about this at Toulon. Yeah? Mm. yeah, you mentioned I played for England at 18. I did things that when I was 18 that I'm kind of was like surprising myself daily. 
when I was 26 and I thought I knew everything, I was surprising myself rarely. And you look at it and go, what's happened? The same way you kind of, when you're five years old, you, you have this beaming smile. And yet when you're 35, you go around talking about stress and expectation and all these things. And so I sort of realized I've got to look at, I keep thinking I'm preparing, but if I'm preparing, I'm, I'm preparing the wrong thing because I'm getting worse. I'm getting, I might be winning more, but I'm getting less inspired. I'm feeling less alive. I'm getting less healthy. As you mentioned, health and well-being. I feel less connected to others. I feel less just vibrant, energized, inspired, and whatever it be. So that's been a big switch for me, hugely. And like I said, when it comes to potential, when you move towards potential, you move towards your true self. and you move towards that, you move towards the now. And it's all about, it's not something you're going to read in a book or find out about, or it's something you've got to, you've got to do for yourself. And we're all doing it in our own ways, and it's, it's kind of beautiful. Yeah, you know, look, geez, I'm listening to you there. You know, our time in Toulon, because that was, as as you said, um, you know, after your injuries uh, stint um, and refinding yourself when you came over, because, you know, look, I'll be honest, when you came over, you'd you'd been injured for a bit and we were looking for a 10 and um, your name came up and, and obviously Murad saw the potential to to market <laughs> Johnny Wilkinson. There's a different kind of potential there. Um, from a playing perspective, you know, obviously you couldn't state what you've done in the past and yet your history um, of injury, you know, obviously was was preceding you. So when you when you came over, uh, you know, we'd, we'd heard about your um, your, te- your your perfectionist tendencies. And we saw it, and, and there was a big. I know there was a big push from our coach at the time. You know, with about I had to, you know, talk to you around not overtraining, not. <laughs> and, I remember the chat. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I just I look at that's the, the chat that stays with me, and you know, it's you know, again, it's your preparation. You know, that's what you did to to get yourself ready to do what you do well. And when I said, "Hey, look, you know, we we've been told like, make sure you watch. Hey, do you have to go? You know." Two hours before uh, our mm. game to go and kick and and um, and you said to me, "It says, Tana, it used to be four hours. So just they should just be happy. <laughs> they should <laughs> just be happy. Better, yeah. yeah, they should just be happy that I'm you know I'm focused on mm. on doing what I do. So I have pulled it back. But if I don't do it, then I don't feel comfortable comfortable and confident going into the game. And that was the last time we had that chat because I thought, yeah, sucks. We've made improvement. You know, you've You've seen yourself, and you've made the adjustment um, to your body, and uh, and obviously, you know, you 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 did what you did when you're over there, and um, and I saw, but I also saw that how happy you were. You know, you're like um, you won't find a more humble person than yourself when you you know with all the accolades that you do have. And our chat, and you just uh, we were just had a really good, easy to chat, you know, kind of a relationship. Um, so when we talk around, like you're saying, a uh, you know, your past and your preparation, you know, the learnings again as you've gone through the stages of your life here. So what's what did you learn through that time around Toulon? Because it was, it was like the second coming of, of, of Johnny Wilkinson, if I can say that. Yeah, it, it was, and it teaches you a really interesting thing um, because sometimes you, you can get somewhere accidentally and because you don't own it, it leaves you again. 
but often it, it happens accidentally because things line up for you. And what happened with Toulon was um, I'd constructed myself into a, a certain way and the, the, the beliefs I had at that time linked up with the idea that I was injured and so I was kind of like, they've forgotten about me. Yeah, everyone's forgotten about me. So I had my back to the wall, that kind mm. of thing. And that worked for me. Then I decided I wasn't going to go to a club in England because I didn't want to play against Newcastle, which we ended up playing against about a year later anyway. But, um, but I, uh, I went to, I said, I want to go to somewhere abroad. I just want to, I want to get out of the English league. I didn't want to play against my old club. And so I went to France, found Toulon. And when I got to Toulon, it's sunny, hot, it's by the beach. People are speaking a different language. So according to a, the way I'd construct myself and being British, I was on holiday. So when I rocked up, I'm on holiday. And my whole being starts to try to do this thing to be like, I'm on holiday, so I'm chilling out. But at the same time, I'm also trying to play. And it brought together an interesting mix of kind of being able to give everything and for a short while having that holiday relaxation around it, which brought about this kind of a bit more of the flow and easiness and, and receptivity around just the performance. But sure enough, fast forward six months, things are going quite well. People start turning up with banners with your name on, and then the old cycle kicks back in. Because you're not conscious of how you transcended it, you don't transcend it. And as a result, it started to kick in. I started to look to be like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't a joke anymore. You know, These people are here for me, and I can't let them down. I can't do this. And suddenly, you're back into the same thing. But when you mentioned the whole kicking before games or kicking during the week or thinking about things so much, I, I, I coach guys now and often we'll just do in two minutes, you can get someone to do things. You're kind of like, they never knew they could do. Mm. And you say, wow, you know, we did that in two minutes. You've got a week. Imagine what you could do with that. And when they come back before the game, you're like, you're a mess. What have you been doing with your time? And for me, it was kind of that is that 50% or not even, well, at the beginning, it was probably 50% of all that kick in of all the skills work was pure passion. I didn't give it. I, I couldn't care less if I was playing that weekend or was never playing again. I just had a ball in my hand. You play touch, you play touch rugby with me. I'd have played for ten hours, and I'd have still said I'll be there for tomorrow because I just feel so incredible. The other fifty percent was pure fear, which I grew up with. I grew up with a sense of impending doom, and I try. I built defense mechanisms around how to keep stave it off and how to be perfectionist that might save me from it or whatever it was. And as you grow up, that kind of matures into a more subtle difficult thing to understand and most of the time I was kicking out there I kick with guys now and they need per session 30 to 40 minutes when you go over that you have to question why are you doing it I was doing two or three hours a day and pretty much all of it was to do with trying to um, trying to soothe my insecurity so when you mention yeah, I need to do it. I didn't need to do it. I just wasn't in a place where I could see that at that time. And as a result, it was pure compulsion, pure people said it was dedication and devotion. I'm sort of going, it's not because I'm either loving it or I have to do it. There's no me sitting there thinking, should I go and do it today? It's me going, I either have to do it today or I'm already doing it anyway because I, I just love it more than life. And my my whole journey was about trying to take away the compulsion and add it to the to the beauty of passion but the other thing happened most of it went into compulsion and by the end of Toulon I was kind of dangerously getting close to being back in the same space I was in 
it just because you have to you have to release it yourself people can't do it for you and as much as you can have a chat with someone and you go oh i love that and it you feel great for two days or you go to toulon you feel great for six months you have to do it yourself and you have to you have to transcend it consciously yeah i think that the art of doing and you know we can all read and um get be told and in the end uh, you know sometimes the learning through the actions of actually putting those things yeah, in place yeah. um, which again is the hard step because you're stepping out of your that comfort zone again that we you know talk about um you're talking around you know your coaching so how has that helped in terms of so you know from your um your personal uh journey and then when you're teaching kids and you're talking now now you need 30 minutes when you know you've been through a stage where you know like i've been through the four hour boys you know like i've done this every day for four hours you don't have to do that trust me this is how we go and yeah. you know and and creating those relationships so that um again we go back to your passion around how they I achieve their potential so how do you go about you know putting that what you know across to those those young men and woman the, the the thing that the thing that makes it in a way so interesting is that and i don't want to go too far into this because it, it does get quite sort of like for me it's really interesting but to keep it sort of like on a level i think is pretty reasonable to understand is that you just you just have to let go of the backstory you have for someone else mm. and whatever you see them do whatever someone says whatever someone appears like or whatever someone does it never ever interferes with that connection you have with them which is we are just two energy forms serving each other so there is no coach player relationship because otherwise there's already a dynamic there which is a limitation you simply understand that when you remove the limitation of gender as you just mentioned age um of where someone's come from obviously all the, the the racial ones any of that business you just you remove it all to realize that you're both exactly the same but you're you in terms of like uh your worth but at the same time you're uniquely um sort of equipped and therefore when you cross paths with someone it's not by coincidence there's a serving taking place both mutually and you've got to open to that otherwise you miss it because it's never ever about you doing something for someone else it's never ever you working on someone else and when you try and work on someone else it just doesn't work for anyone and when you start to realize that this is about me becoming more of me it always serves the other person and and therefore it's kind of like when you turn up i don't turn up with ideas about where someone should be what they should be doing how they should be feeling what's right wrong you turn up and you and you you trust in all your ability to sense and to know what's needed by being empty when you turn up and it's the complete opposite of all the other lessons but when you get to a stage of that kind of trust and confidence you it becomes so relevant what you do because you respond to that person then and there you don't respond to the person you saw 2 weeks ago do something you respond to how that person is and when you meet that person as they are you then meet them in the now and that's where you can gain if you start where they were you miss where they are now like you're driving the bus on a different route you're never going to pick them up 
You've got to start where they are. And what that means is you've got to start where you are. You've got to lose your own backstory. You've got to be able to bring yourself back from if you're feeling a bit uh, angry, resistant, fearful, all this. All of that is, is getting in the way of this connection. So that's what I mean. You, you do your own work and you turn up and things start to make sense. The same way in a game, everyone says, oh, when the whistle goes, I felt, I felt, I felt great. But beforehand, I felt a mess. It's like, but it's not because the changing room's a mess. It's because you've got all that fear and rubbish in your mind. That means you can't see clearly, you can't feel clearly. And when the whistle goes, you drop it. You just drop it all. And then everyone goes, ah, oh, it makes sense on the field. It's like, but it can also make sense everywhere and all the time. And I was the worst for that. I, I kind of had six days of suffering so I could enjoy one day a week. And then when I decided, oh, wow, this is working for me, all this suffering, I added another half day of suffering thinking I'll get more out of that half day. And by the end of it, I had seven days of suffering and nothing else. And it does, you, you, by suffering, you don't create joy. You just create more cycles of suffering. And so the way you create joy is to be joyful. And the only time you can be joyful is right now. So that's the work for me as a coach. I turn up and make sure that I am open, receptive, compassionately sort of loving the moment and the person I'm with. And then you go, oh, let's see what happens now. It's like you, um, you've, you got so used to being on, um, you know, the the negative uh, moments, you know, all those days of, you know, uncomfortable and, oh, yeah, this is what I'm used to. You just become used to it, don't you? And, and when you, you don't you have it. You mentioned, mate, you mentioned it before about comfort zones. Funny mm. thing about comfort zones. It isn't comfortable. Mm. Most people's comfort zone is being stressed and angry. Mm. But it's familiar. It's familiar. And you yeah. kind of go, right, well, I don't like not having it. I'd prefer to feel terrible because at least I feel kind of familiar with the terrible feeling because actually sometimes if you just say to someone what would really make an incredible difference is if you just enjoy every moment of your life you think that would be like freedom but people can't enjoy every moment of their life and it's and because they're more everyone's more comfortable being against something yeah because at least you know who you are when you're up against someone else or you don't like this or you do like that or you can't handle it or you wish that you know all those kind of things and for me, that's, that's been my story. You know? mm. just, I always had to have something I was up against. And that's why I was terrible when people applauded me. The more that Toulon fans applauded me, the worse I got. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. I needed them to be telling me I was rubbish and all this because you know, I, I didn't function well, feeling like uh, it was all going well for me. It mm. just felt like something was about to come up and trip me up really badly. Well, that's also the measure of yourself too, that fight, you know, that you know, fight or flight kind of attitude. Um, as well, and uh, you see something interesting because I, it's something that I've found too. You know, when you you've got to forget the backstory, and I know that's for us. Um, well, sorry, for myself, I think that's easy for me to say because again, but people see us and perceive us. You know, young players, you're Johnny Wilkinson Hall of Famer, and you know you've done this, um, so they're not as. Uh, obviously open to coming on, oh, hey, you know, can you help me with this? Or, or just having a conversation because, or they don't want to look like they don't know, you know, and, yeah. and show you their, um, you know, their bad habits or, you know, everything has to be perfect because they were on show for such a, you know, um, a legend of the game. How were you able to break that down for them? You know, because that's obviously what I've found is that I, you have to actually show some vulnerability. You have to show that, I'm not perfect. What I did was, you know, what I did, but that doesn't define who I am, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think 
I think maybe starting with creating an, an, an environment of vulnerability by going there first mm. is, a, is, a, is a leadership in itself and that, that does it. But it's, it's very much your own energy because all of these things are image-based. So when someone's not with you, you can, you can sort of say, oh, they're responding to the image they have of me. But when they're with you and talking with you, suddenly you're, if you're into your image, that'll carry on during the conversation. If you've let that go and your energy is true to itself, you'll transform it in every way. It only ever comes down to you, you know, I think, well, to, to the person, and that's, yeah, to me and my situation. And what that means is, as you said about the, the application, you've got, to, you've got to go there yourself because your energy speaks everything, not your words, not, your, not even your actions, your energy does. People can behave a certain way that's so kind and yet it really winds you up because you sense that there's a, a kind of conflict there going on and that it's almost like a, a passive aggressive thing, whatever it might be, because you sense that. This, and when people speak a certain way and you, you sense that it's not connected, it's not coherent with everything else that's happening, and you've got to get to the source. And when the question comes down to it, do you, do you really care about anything you've really done? Could someone take it all away from you? And would you be happy to say, yeah, take it? Or are you just saying that? Because if it came to it, you'd be like, take it, but leave me those bits, please leave me that. Don't you dare take that. Yeah. Or please take that, please take that, whatever it be. Mm. But you can't, you can't, you just can't cheat it. And that's why it's, that's why the, it just gets more and more powerful because you realize that you're, you're speaking to these people and not just you're speaking to these people, but you're bringing them to you. You're creating these environments and you're creating the situations. You're bringing these coincidences into your life because you're asking for it. And when you start to clear up the inside, you start to be more and more able to communicate what you're asking for. The message becomes really clear what you're asking for in your life and you start to see it happening. When you've got all these mixed messages of, I really want this, but I'm not worthy. You're also saying, I want this, but I don't want it. And so what you get is stuff that keeps confusing you. Whereas if you, you just go to that space, you realize that, like I said before, everything is serving you. And when you see it, a person there, if, for me, as I see them, I'm kind of just like, you're, you're just everything. You're in my space, and now you're everything to me. You can't cheat that. And when you don't, that person will give up all your image because it just feels, you know, we, we were both there with Joe Van Nieke at Toulon, mm. someone that kind of um, had, you know, that kind of often had that energy about himself. Um, and as a result, you'd find yourself just hanging around with him. It had nothing to do with whether he was captain, if he played for South Africa, and if he'd done this, and whether he was viewed as the best this or the best that, or whether he was Toulon's you know, golden child. You, you just hung around with him. Why? Because you just felt like you could be more of you when you were around him. And it's, it's things like that which, which will always sort of like stick with me. Yes, no, Joe Van is a great man, and he's, he's doing well for himself in uh, South America. I see, and you know, he followed his path over there. Um. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've, I've definitely, I've actually been in contact with him just recently, um, and he's, uh, yeah, very such an interesting transformation you've seen happening in, yeah, in in sort of someone's 
life there and i'd love to know about his experience but yeah yeah, yeah no he's definitely one that i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna have to um, get in touch with um i'm gonna take you back to your um <laughs> <laughs> it's up for your podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take you back to your Newcastle days um, when you were younger. And, you know, we, I know we've talked about uh, your time with Inga Tungamala and Pat Lamb when they were there at, uh, um, yeah. and how they looked after you because you, you, speak, you, you speak so fondly of them and, you know, your early days there with them. Can you let us in on that uh, little story too, please? Yeah, definitely. The, um, two things that really hit home straight away, one being that uh, – I was young in a brand new space. They were like, I, I was going to say like gods, but a better word is like gladiators because I watched them from the sidelines. You know, like I was an 18-year-old often on the bench, standing on the sideline around the first few sessions of training. And when they walked on the field, there was a presence about them both. You see Pat Lamb stood at the back of a line out. The way he stood, you just felt like you could see it was like gladiatorial. You know I mean, like just imagine him entering the Colosseum, you know, like just... That's the way the, 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 what he gave off. And Inga, I mean, the other thing that helped with Inga was I've just not seen, at that age, I had not seen anything like that happen on a rugby field, whether it was defensively, attacking-wise. He was opening doors for me daily in terms of possibilities. Yeah, as an inspirational figure, he was incredible. Pat, the same. And what also made a difference, so when I saw these guys, the gladiators, they, they also welcomed me so humbly with such just just such kind of respect that I, I kind of, I was one of the opinion, you've got to earn your respect, but they gave me the human respect immediately. The rugby respect, you know, they gave me that for being there, but they obviously I, they, I had to show, yeah, that from a Newcastle level that I was there. And so that was beautiful to have that kind of acceptance, if you like, from people that I, I saw as being worthy of, of being worshipped and that, this, the other part that's really interesting was just the joy that they played with. I just I saw very little of that stress and suffering pre-game mm. from them, and it was phenomenal to see that versus what was a, a much more kind of, um, I guess, westernized, if you like, European. I don't know what do you want to call it, but but view of it where there was a lot of kind of ticking boxes and we must do this and these are the right words to say. Um, but yeah, for Pat and Inga, they were in the corner having their own fun. You know? And when they went on the field, they just carried on having their own fun, largely um, depending on the game, either following or not following the game plan, but doing stuff that just, just turned the game anyway. But when you saw them link up, there was a lot of, a lot of kind of connections via um, eye contact, even making silly noises to each other on the game, whatever they were, just that, that were basically secret messages to each other because they were seeing things a little bit, a bit like a, a Zidane in football or a Federer in tennis. They're operating mm. at a level that the two of them are on the level. And I'm not sure other people are not on better or worse levels, but other people are on different levels. So they had their own language for that level. And when some of the stuff yeah, that they did, it, for me, it just made me get, it, it got me, at that age, it kept my passion burning for rugby. As I got older, it, it, it kept bringing me under challenges to be like, look, yeah, what are you doing this for? Look at these guys. They're still getting better. I mean, Lammy kept winning Player of the Year awards. <laughs> yeah, the, the older he got, the more of them he won. And, and, and Inge kept you know, doing the same thing. So, you know, fair play. I couldn't have walked into a better setup with those guys. And, 
yeah, and a few others in there as well that really made the difference. Um, so you're still involved in a little bit of rugby, as you said, in terms of um, coaching and uh, commentary as well. And obviously, you know, you've been in the game a long time. You know, is there what are the changes you're seeing in the in in the modern game? You know, from from you know when you when you played. I find it really, I find it really interesting because I feel like rugby just goes in in cycles a little bit where you, you kind of it's it's really open and it's really entertaining and then it kind of creeps in around the laws where people just start looking for that one percenter people get a little bit closer to the offside line people hold on to the ball on the floor a little bit longer people kick the ball a bit more because it works that way um and depending on where the referees go with it and then what they do is kind of like putting some more laws to open it back up or to release that and for a couple of years but like we we're talking about with my cycles you get that response where it's all like, but then it creeps back in just because of the competitive nature of everyone is to find is to challenge that space. But also, as you mentioned, when you get more used to things, you just start to pinch an extra yard here or there and you don't become so vigilant on it. Um, and I think, however, I think it's, that's the way it, it's always going to be because it's, it's so much about winning with promotion, relegation and championships on the line. People are going to play it that way, but the I guess the the real talent is where people can play on the edge and still open up to those moments of inspiration, which is as the game gets quicker, people you know, like Linger and Pat, those guys can see things on that level. They can still do what needs doing when the defences are sprinting up, as they are now so much more, and the game's so much more kind of intense. They can still find answers on the hoof. Yeah, but it's it's a funny one. It's almost like kind of the same as it always has been but just just faster and more physical but with, with all the stuff around the uh with all the stuff around the the the, the concussion and the, and the injuries and what have you it's it, there's some really important moments coming up uh in the, the sort of the journey of rugby and, and they have to be addressed because yeah, it's come to a i guess almost a fork in the road now where they have to make big decisions and i think they're, they're making the right ones and looking at them looking at them in the right way yeah, um, I agree. You know, like, as you said, in terms of the game, uh, we have to look at it a little bit differently now. Safety and um, is, is a lot more paramount because it is faster. It is, you know, the, the players are not only stronger and bigger now, they, they, you know, they have to think uh, light on their feet, all of them, and especially the tens. What I've noticed, Johnny, they haven't gotten bigger Yet they're having they're having a lot more people run down their channels, yeah, which yeah. which which was a strength of yours. You know, you, yeah. I think I remember trying to move you out of ten spot once, just to you know, hey, look, we'll look after you. <laughs> no ten wants to move um, right. uh, from inside that channel. So, you know, like with the modern teams now, what do you think is is probably the the fundamental? Sorry, um, the skill sets that they must have, uh, and who are you, who are you the ones that you the teams that you think are really changing the game at the moment? Um, I think the, the, the thing about all of rugby is, is how it relates to, to what we've been speaking about comfort zones and what have you is that with any rugby player, regardless of position, you can't just sit in your space. You can't just sort of say, this is what I do because one 
you probably won't stay in that space for very long because someone else will take it from you. And two, that's where all growth is. Because if you've decided this is where I'm going to stay, you're going to start talking about 1% gains over years. Whereas if you start to broaden into other spaces, you just provide, you know, whether it be props and footwork, we've seen some of that from some of the Irish boys recently or whatever. You see props and footwork, props and offloads, second rows and offloads, second rows and being able to, to, to throw long flat passes at speed and, or to second rows and especially back rows, we've known that for a long time, but second rows being able to hang out in the wide channels and make good decisions and make, um, yeah. And then from New Zealand's angle, we've seen hookers putting through you know, brilliant little kicks that make beautiful sense that a 10 hasn't even seen himself and is kicking himself going, oh my God, why am I not seeing that? But the, all of these things just involve a degree of ambition, which means, again, as coming back to what I said before, about shedding those constraints around this is a hooker, this is what a hooker must do. And that's a really, there's a lot of constraints around the 10. And what it ends up doing dangerously is that 10 starts off with that free-flowing kind of like wow factor and inevitably make a few uh, sort of like calls that may have been sort of better elsewhere, especially around tactical sides. What happened to me, you know, when I was young in that Newcastle time, you mentioned 18, 19, I didn't kick the ball at all. Every bit of um, sort of criticism I got was, you've got to start kicking the ball. You've got to start understanding um, territory and, and, and how to relieve sort of pressure and, and when to kick on the front foot, on the back foot, all this kind of stuff. Mm. As well as, and you've got to learn how to boss your players around and, and all these things. And you, the danger is, is that that wow factor side, as with success and winning, starts to just sort of say, all right, that wasn't getting me any of the wins because it's the icing on the cake. It's not the cake. It's not the win. It's the win by how much. And you get into those winnings, everything. And by the end of it, you become robotic. And so as you get older, and this works with even just doing more and more kicking practice and those kind of things, you get stiffer. And as you get older and stiffer, you just become less of a threat. And as you become less of a threat, you become just less sort of of, of a concern for the defense. Mm-hmm. So they start to load up on all your options. And as you start doing that, you start complaining that there's no space when actually you're kind of, it's, it's, in, it's on you. The thing a 10 needs to do for me is, is, is challenge those boundaries and find more and more wow factor and be searching for the wow factor. As you mentioned, the comfort zone being like, and be, uh, and just be, because most tens I know are phenomenal touch rugby players when they're young. They've got everything because they're seeing the game on a tactical level, they're reading other people's lines, they're seeing all that, but they're also, they can run it in themselves. And as you start to learn this idea that somehow you've got to tell everyone else what to do and you've got to direct the whole team, you, you, you shelve all that kind of beating people one-on-one. You look at how many people nowadays as a number 10 would just go straight onto the ball and take someone on one-on-one. Normally it involves give, 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 and then all of a sudden, oh, wait, I'll go through a gap that's opened up for me. But what about just having the foot? And Bowden Barrett was kind of bringing it to the fore a little bit, was being able to with his pace and what have you. But then when the questions come over about other things, which, which, are, you know, which okay, it might be you miss a few kicks, but you, for those things, you're kind of like, yeah, but just let the guy be the guy let him do what he does because you know someone else can kick a ball and if or he can work out the kick and he'll get that you'll learn how to kick but what you won't 
you'll find it much harder to learn how to have a defense, you know, basically breaking themselves because they have no idea what you're going to do next. I think for me, that's the wow factor now. You see a lot of the young players are, are challenging in that line. We've got a guy in England called Marcus Smith who's doing a lot of that. Someone I work with, George Ford is someone that I've worked with a lot as with, um, who just, they have a deft ability. And what you want to keep doing is with all the chat about game plan, you just want to keep saying, look, just yes to that, but also no to that. Because at the end of the day, when you finish your career, you're going to look back and go, right, yeah, it was great pulling strings, but the bit I wanted to do was be in the action. And I think you've got to get that balance because when a number 10 is, is in the action, you'll pull the strings anyway. You're so, you find that just comes, you know, like, um, yeah, you've, you've sort of, you've seen that with loads and loads of people around the place and just that when they're playing well, they start to make good decisions. When they have a go and they make an early break or they, they make a couple of good hits early on, the next thing they do follows that momentum. Mm. Whereas I think I used to, sometimes I'd find myself 10 minutes into a game and I'd still be, I'd still be clean. I would, and I'd be thinking, and as I got more and more into the game, I'd be like, I'd almost feel like just diving on the floor just to feel like, <laughs> look, I'm muddy, I'm in the game. Because then you start to make decisions based on you know, what you've been thinking before the game. They're not to do with what you're feeling. You've got to get mm. the feel of the game. And that's what tens have got to do. They've got to stay in the game, which means get dirty, get hit. You know, I remember sort of trying to tackle um, a few guys, you know, whether it be Dan Carter or these guys, and you put a really good shot on them, and afterwards you'd be like, getting up and you'd see them just get up and be like, yeah, great hit. You're like, oh no, I think I've just got them in the game. I've just got them in the game. <laughs> You're better off just trying to leave them out of the game. Um, but there's guys changing that because they're in the action the whole time. As with me, the pre-World Cup, Clive Woodward was constantly telling me, you've got to, you've got to stay out because we need you to pull the strings. Mm. You've got to balance. You've got to balance that. Because what I ended up doing was finding out that through certain elements of kicking game, you could really determine an outcome if you did it well. And one of those things that came to the fore was drop goals because out of nowhere, you can just score three points. Yeah. It's my way of being like, look, when I was young, I liked to try and run around people and throw the ball here and do this and do that and score tries. But now I'm finding at this level, I can just score points willy-nilly. I can score points as I wish, and that can change games. So you start to think my way of, of really impacting the game is just to, just to do that. Because it, it did hurt teams, but also the more you do it, the more you just you can't lose touch with that threat mm. that you pose when you're on your game. And I, I worry about that for guys because you know it's difficult because the, the the media onto them every game they're not quite there. It's more and more of this, and you can see the danger is I need to go and think about it. I need to go and work yeah. it out. You're like, no, don't. Just go deeper into the field of it. Just understand there's some stuff that you want, and now send it into the field and, and let it work itself out. Uh, yeah, the more you become a thinker, the deeper you get away from the action. Um, it's great you talk about that balance of a 10 and, um, you know, in my time with us together, you're really coming from a real run, run first, run second, run third, you know, background that I had. I've yeah. had a great appreciation of the ability that a kicking game can have. You know, I, I only learned that really and respected that when I when we were together in, in Toulon. Um and, you know, coming back to New Zealand and you realise uh, when I did come back, sorry, that it's a skill that's not, wasn't at the time, you know, promoted because we're running, everything's about running. Um, whereas now it, it is very much that balanced lifestyle, uh, sorry, balanced playing style, 
getting them it goes too far when a, a running 10, as yeah. you've said, has all the skills, is a great touch player, and he's renowned for his running. Now we want him to kick more. So that's all he focuses on. Yeah. And he's not a threat. Now, and he stands deep in the pocket. You know, he doesn't you know, challenge the D-line or, or have a run, so they don't have to worry about him. And so they focus three numbers on, you know, your big ball running forwards or, or, or backs. So I think, you know what, there's, there's a huge, huge part of this, which I mentioned before about growing up with, with certain, you know, with a, with a strong relationship with fear. Um, mm. And yeah, it's still one that's sort of prominent in my, in my world today, which is a good challenge for me. But what that basically boils down to is, is a, a lack of trust. And that's a huge part of what you're talking about, is that you have to have enormous trust in the coach and the game plan. And you have to have enormous trust in the players around you, your teammates. But that's a two-way street. Because if you never give them the opportunity to, to do what they can do, you're never going to trust them. Mm. And if you only ever let them do it once, and if it doesn't go well, you say, well, that's it. And what have you. And I think, but, so it's a two-way street. It's not just they've got to prove themselves. You've got to allow, you've got to give them the ball. And I had that trust when I was younger. And what happened is, with England around the 2001, two sort of area and three, I guess, when it was just starting to, to maybe come to its end, um, what was happening was that we were a massive running team, but we were bleeding in some kicking game stuff. And a lot of that was happening just coaching myself. So the game plan was huge trust in being able to run the ball from anywhere. And we did, and we had this and Newcastle, we ran it everywhere. And the same thing, the coach would meet with me and just be like, just at times, have a look at this. Whereas when you got towards, like you said, the, the France thing with England, but later on, is that when, they, when you start to do more of it and they kind of see it as an option or maybe they buy into it too much more, you take less, you take more away from the running game and they load more on the kicking game. And what that does as a player is you start to, because there isn't the same ambition or, or, or desire or even sort of freedom to do it, you know, as, as with it in France, maybe it's kind of like, look, if you're in your own 40, you kick, that's it. Mm. Kind of like, well, I'm certainly not going to give the ball because basically no one's expecting it. So yeah. then you say, well, hold on, I've got a kick. And, and then you, you start, people then say, oh, well, hold on, that's what he does. Let's build the game around that. Whereas what you want to, what, what I have at Newcastle was that the way we trained was fast and we ran every time. So they saw that and said, let's build the game around that. But when I got to France, people had their idea of what I could do and built a game plan around it according to that. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to kick. I wanted to rediscover myself. I wanted to run, but what it did was that we kicked more and it went well. And so it just, you almost put yourself yeah. into that area. And then suddenly when you don't do it, it goes wrong. And you realize that you're almost locked in. And I think having that trust means that you have a game plan where you can score from anywhere. You've got to go for that. And then you also have a really strong idea that at any time you can also drop goal. And in order to do that as a player, you've got to be incredibly able to keep opening up and then focusing in and opening back up. Because when you focus in and you stay focused in, you miss. But if you mm. focus in and you open back up, go in. And coaches have got to be able to do that as well. Because if you, if you, you find yourself focusing in on a big win that goes well and you kick the ball a bit, and suddenly 10 games down the line, it's all you're doing. But you've got to, in your training, you've got to come back to the, the, the running in the game and mm. I think for me you know that trust was a big thing and, and I, I didn't give enough people a chance to, to show me 
you know, until they came in with a massive name. And then I'll just be like, right, well, I'll trust you because I've seen you do it. Like, you know, Matt Gitter or Sonny Bill or mm. yourself. Uh, you kind of go, right, but yeah, Felipe Gonzalez or whatever. But it, largely you've got to, you know, I, when I was 18, if no one had trusted me, I wouldn't have got a shot. And so, you, you know, for me, there's a big exercise in trust. And, and I was probably late getting to the party on that because by that time I was, I was big into controlling outcomes. And, and I knew I could from a degree because I could use both feet and I could, I could kick the ball everywhere and I could, I could sort of drop goals as well. Mm. Um, but you know, what it meant was defences got more switched onto it and it became harder to do it. And then we got more of those sticky losses and we, we ended up scraping through to some stuff that we probably could have, like New Zealand, had a few 40 pointers in there rather than, you know, 12-9 something. Now we're going to just go into um, a bit of the business side. So now uh, you've, you've started uh, um, number one kombucha. Um, yep. you've had a few businesses, you know, since you retired, and I just want to talk around the importance and, and what, sorry, of you know, a life outside of rugby. And, um, but what, what got you into business? You know, is it something that you started, um, before you finished playing? I did, yeah, I did start it before I finished playing. I started, um, a couple of businesses. Um, one was in uh, clothing, the other one was in food, and um, I started the, the, the clothing one about 2010, the food one was about 2011, 2012. And it was just things that were being inspired from, you know, what I was kind of seeing, especially the food business, which was just... Oh, sorry uh, to stop you, Johnny. I think it's just, yeah, it's okay. just, um, yeah, it's a bit... Let me um, see if I can move it around. Yeah, it was a bit muffled. Um, it's just started to be a bit more muffled. Here we now. Is that still? I can't hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, that seems better. Yeah. Um, do you want me to start again? Yeah, 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 please, if that's right. So, so um, I did start those businesses when uh, I was still playing. 2010, I got a bit more into the just a, sort of ventured into the, the clothing side just because I saw an opportunity that I, from a personal side, it was a bit of a vocational thing that I was really excited, interested in. But, but more importantly, the, the food one that I was, I started around 2011, 2012, where I was, I was kind of starting to have a question over my health. I was really aware that I was very fit, but I didn't feel at all healthy. And the more I went into changing rooms, everything was looking so scientific. Um, and it, I just felt like there was that I would felt like I was moving further and further away from nature and from the importance of it. I didn't know quite what was at the base of that or what was further down than that, uh, but I just kept following it um, and eventually came to a point where I tried out a few things that didn't really work and, and then came upon the kombucha thing. My wife trained to be a nutritionist and me going deeper and deeper into mental health, we, we sort of came upon fermented foods and living diet, probiotics and all these kind of things for and bacteria for, for connecting sort of the body as a whole sort of more coherently. And what kind of it came down to for me was just understanding that um, as we were talking about getting lost in your identity of what you do and moving away from what you are and what we are is, a, is you know, is, is, is on a different dimension to the body, but is, is essentially kind of experiencing life through the body and that body is made up of soil <laughs> everything comes from soil 
mm. yeah, soil grows up, grows the, the, the food and whatever. And, and here was uh, the last time, I, yeah, I was, I was, the uh, last time I thought about eating something fresh from the ground. I mean, I never made an, it wasn't remotely interesting to me. I was just eating whatever and thinking of it as what, how much protein's in it, how much this, but stop thinking about how fresh it is, how it's grown, you know, and, and connecting to it on a level that this is going to be my body. You know, like we, we, we do things like this sort of like these kind of, uh, we run a few programs, but it's the other business I have, or it's more of, it's actually a foundation is in, is in sort of, uh, holistic health. And one of the things we sort of look at is that, yeah, maybe every seven, 10 years, your cells regenerate and regrow. They're just, they're, essentially they grow brand new. So you just become a new body and they only grow out of what you eat. So what you are is what you've eaten. And, it, and it's not surprising that if you start eating things, which maybe don't look at all like the earth, mm. don't look at all like what they started, that suddenly, yeah, if your eyes are made out of it, if your brain's made out of it, if your bones are made out of it, your joints are made out of it, it's like, well, maybe you aren't going to feel quite as good as you could. And you've got to find what's, what works for you and everything. And so for, yeah, for me, I, I got into that. It was my passion. Um, and I saw an opportunity, but in terms of the, that's, that was on the level of information. So I was gathering information. I was looking at it, I was doing all this and it was really exciting, almost like putting together equations, what can be done, who's going to work, who can work together, what can make it happen. But the bit you're talking about, you know, becoming what you're going to do after rugby and identity wise, it's, it's, I'm the same thing this is the interesting thing is that is that I've just swapped a rugby shirt for a different shirt. I'm still underneath it. I'm still seeking a goal. I'm working with really exciting people around me and I'm challenging myself daily. It's kind of like, well, what was I doing when I was playing rugby? The same thing. But when you are able to take the shirt off, you can put a brand new one on and it feels exactly the same. And I mean, not the same in terms of monotone, but it's the same beautiful journey. It's just what we were talking about before is when that shirt comes off, you go with it. Mm. Then you're like, oh, you put a new, or the other way of talking about it is that you can't take that shirt off. And so you put the new shirt on over the top of the rugby shirt and it just feels a bit like, not the same. Not me. It's diluted. You know, like all that energy has gone into the rugby shirt and I can't have that. And now it's going into this shirt and it just feels a bit like, oh, you know, oh, well, better get on with it. And, Whereas actually, if you remove the rugby shirt, you put any shirt on, it feels phenomenal. Whatever you're doing, because it's the same thing. You're seeking your potential through some kind of vehicle, and the vehicle is rugby, and now it's this. But the the danger is, is like I said, so what? When I mentioned the holistic health, it's all about taking that shirt off, realizing that you know what you do and and all those things, and what you think and feel. It's not who you are it's it's actually it's the it's a way of experiencing life and you've got to reconnect to you which is which is you you can't touch you mm. it's infinite when you reconnect with that you can wear as many shirts as you like and whatever you're doing there's passion there's joy there's excitement but taking off that shirt as we were mentioning before means becoming brand new which means for me uh, the big change in me is realizing a little bit that I don't talk anymore about having a past. I, I talk about having memory. I don't talk about having a future. I talk about having imagination, which leaves me in the now. 
And when you remove the, the conclusions I had about how I got here and my past and who I am, that memory becomes really exciting. You can do whatever you want with it. But when you believe that this is who I am, your memory is fixed for you. And when it gets fixed, it starts to control your imagination. You start thinking the same stuff. You're always thinking about what if this happens and what if that happens or oh, if only I should have done that. But when you free up that memory by letting go of the past, you then free up your imagination. And every day becomes an opportunity. And I think that's been the big change. You know, so business after rugby is kind of like, well, what do you mean after rugby? This is my business. I'm in my rugby shirt now talking to you. I mean, you might be able to sense I'm, I'm, I'm the same intensity. I'm not letting it fully rip, but I'm in pomp. Because why not? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I am, I'm, yeah, but you're 42 years old. I'm not 42 years old. It's a backstory. It's another story. Leave it. What am I? I'm just here and now, and I've got memory, and I've got surprise imagination. I'm inspired about what I'm going to do, and I've got a goal. And it's like, yeah, there you go. There's a nice starting point to, to already starting towards health. But some of the learnings through rugby are very much built upon, depending upon your mm. past your big wins and this is what makes you who you are and this is why you're going to win tomorrow. It's kind of like, no, you, you're going to be great today and tomorrow just because you're you. And you've got, you don't have to earn that or be defined by anything for it. It's a great um, viewpoint too because I've, I've talked to a lot of our guests around those transferable skills from rugby into, into business. What you're saying is they're all transferable. Because that's who I yeah. am. That's you know, those are the memories yeah. I've created. Yeah, 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 definitely. There's, there's no, there's no, there's no. It's work. People talk about work-life balance, life after rugby. You're kind of like life's life. There's no such thing as work. You know, what am I doing when I'm working? Like, what are we doing? Are we mm. working? What am I doing? I'm, I'm like I said, I'm an energy form. I've got you. We're transferring. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm being served. I feel like I'm exploring. Right. Well when does it become work like what if we're both getting paid you know it's kind of like oh is it now work no it's still the same thing it doesn't matter if you meet if you meet someone that you know crosses your, the, your path and it's someone you've never met before you're kind of like it doesn't matter whether they wear if they're wearing a suit and it's in your office is that work it's like it doesn't matter you, you, all skills are transferable um and if you like, in terms of transferable from rugby, the, the, the perfect life coach is always the on the field during a match rugby version of you. For me, that's what it is. I look at, if I say, right, who am I going to listen to if they've got any advice for me? I'm going to go to that version of me that's in the moment and is doing incredible things. I'll be like, right, you teach me. What I'm not going to listen to is the me in the changing room who thinks he's taking credit for it with all his suffering. So I'm going to say, right, I'm only going to ask the on the field player. I'm going to be like, right, what are you thinking when you're doing it? Nothing. Right. I'm not going to think about anything. Uh, and, and does it feel like, are you worried about what's going to happen next? No. Right. Okay. That's a good learning. Okay. And how do you feel? I feel effortless. Good. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to work towards feeling effortless. I'm not even work. I'm just going to allow effortlessness. And, and what about everyone around you? What are you thinking about them? Well, Nothing. They're, they're all fine. They're all just the same as me. Yeah, that's it. Whereas you go to the change room version, it's like, oh, well, what am I looking at these people? Well, that person now, I'm not sure if they're ready today. Mm. And that person, yeah, they're not good enough to be here. And you're like, look, there's, there's a brilliant teacher in you 
and it's you at your best. And if you ask them direct experience, they've got great messages and most of them or all of them will be stop doing what you're already doing and just let go. And for me, you know, that trust is, is a massive challenge to trust in it, but I've never trusted and regretted it at all. You know, I just, I find, you know, that's, that's the, the joy. So when you say about, am I going to be successful with what I'm doing? I'm kind of like, is that question really going to matter to me when I'm 95? That I've been a success, will that matter? No. What's going to matter? Am I in, have I had a good life? Well, it's kind of like, well, what, what's the answer to that? Well, the answer to have I had a good life or am I having a good life is simply, am I living this moment fully? That's it. And that's why I say the teacher of you on the field or me on the field is the best coach. Because you look and you say, are you living this moment fully? You're kind of like, oh, yeah. There's nothing I'm lacking. And so I, I bring myself back to that same thing. And that's the most beautiful transferable skill from sport is that in the zone, you get an incredible insight, albeit very brief. And that's the one I've got to listen to. And, um, you know, with, uh, like you said, it's just as you're so passionate about you know, when you talk, you can hear that coming through, J-Dub. And, you know, if, when I'm thinking about it myself, you're right. You know, because I try and formulate my whole day or, you know, with my business, um, my life, around what I am what I know, which is rugby. So how do I try and get into that again? Um, you know, how do I compact that into my day? How do I schedule my day around what I do? And Because I need to have a routine because that's what I've been doing for 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and and um, you know, I was just listening to you there. You're right. It's, that that's my life, but that's that's because that's just my life. That's what I'm used to, and um, right. you know, it's kind of worked for me. So why wouldn't you replicate that, eh? Um, yeah, definitely. I think the thing is for asking, has it worked for you? Though, is a deeper question. It's being kind of like you know, has it worked for me? Is is you know, I did hear someone else say this. It's really, really sort of interesting when you say that for the the experience of life is internal and when your energies of mental physical and, and emotional and you just you just your sheer energy are peaking you're in that space of, of of sort of compassion of love of bliss of energy of whatever it be um, but when it comes to success success you need stuff on the outside to line up for you mm. And so when you ask, has my life been successful? It's kind of like, it's an interesting question because to have everything line up for you on the outside, but to not have the inside is a really big one for me. Cause I can look back and a lot of people will tell me, oh, you had such a successful career. I'm like, you're kidding me. I suffered the hell out of it. What the hell is successful about that? Mm. I think, I think you're dead right though, is that, is that that question of, for me is, is almost like there's so much informational stuff that's so useful you know like if i'm going to do something it's kind of like well i can learn about how to use technology like you're saying or i can learn about my business and, and, and all the things that i can learn this stuff and it's brilliant and it can help me also to learn about things in the past that you know like this journey took me this long so i'll leave at this time before you know to give myself enough time to get there 
I've been this sort of place before, so I'll need to pack my bag with this kind of stuff. It's loads of great organizational stuff. But in terms of me, I've got to let that be absolutely free. And I guess that's the brilliant thing about this is for me is that I approach this so differently. You know, we're doing this podcast and, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not interested in what we're going to talk about. I'm like, let's do it when we do it. Hmm. And if I haven't got it, I'm like, I'm going to love finding out I haven't got it. I'm going to love it. If I sat here going, um, 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 oh, well, maybe at the end of it, I'd be like, whoa, what an experience. But I just trust, I have trust that it's going to be there. And then by doing that, this, this, this is going to go a certain way and it's going to be so powerful. Whereas for me in the change room before a game, I couldn't have that. Mm. I didn't, I was in survival mode. And, and my preparation was survival. And because it was survival, I'm not open to any new learning or evolving in any way. And it's such a powerful thing to say. If you're in even you know, that slight fear of trying to get through stuff to get to something else and get through it and get through it is survival. And if you're in survival, you stop evolving. And it's like, so if you survive most of your life, you just stop learning or evolving. Uh, so for me, at the end of the, towards the end of the career, I was like, I've, this has to stop. It has to stop because I've, I've, if I'm going to be on this planet for hopefully lots and lots of years, I've got to go somewhere. Mm. And I don't mean physically. You know, I've been a long way around the world. I've been to your place down there <laughs> and, and stuff. So I've traveled most of it, but I've got to go somewhere new. Mm. If I want to be a leader in any way. I've got to go somewhere new. If I want to hit my potential, I've got to go somewhere new. And, and if I want to, if I want to connect to others, I've got to, I've got to let go of all my conditions so I can do it fully. And when you look at that, there's not that much time. So you know, I think that for me is is has been a, a a game breaker. And I have to question myself to be like, look, am I controlling this or am I exploring it? Mm. And and I sort of I'm like, life's people say life's too short. It's right. And the problem is, is when you're really doing it well, it flies by. Um, it just reminds me of the, you know, the, the quote, rather than survive, you want to thrive, don't you? Yeah. You know, you want to live life, not just get, uh, yeah. go, get through day by day. Yeah. Um, hey, J-Dub, I'm, I'm conscious of the time and, uh, you know, you're on holiday and I appreciate your time. So I just want to say just a, a massive thank you for, for giving up your, your insights and, um, oh, you know, we haven't caught up in a while, but um, your passion for for what you do and the life you're living is is, is huge. And it, you know, you, you gave me a lot of a lot of great insights into you know um, what I'm going into and some things that mm-hmm. I, I suppose gives me confidence to um, you know explore this next part of my life and, and where I'm going. So, um, give our love to to Shelley and, and, and the little one, and um, yeah, okay. enjoy your time. Yeah, brilliant, mate. You're gonna you're. Uh... I always uh, trusted you rugby-wise and I have huge trust that whatever you do, you're going to do it beautifully, mate, and it's going to be right. Appreciate it, brother. You take care, eh? Thank you. And you. Go on, man. Thanks Thank again. You, Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out Vickshul's website at www.vickshul.co.nz so you can rebalance your lifestyle with ancient wisdom and ingredients.